Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Friday. We made it. We're feeling we, spicy. We made it. You made it. We're feeling spicy and you're watching AM to DM. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of spice, why talk about Kanye and Drake when you can talk about Ariana Grande instead? Here's a tweet from the pop princess. Guys, I know there are grown men arguing online right now, but Miley and I are dropping our beautiful new songs tonight. So if y'all could please just behave for just like a few hours so the girls can shine, that'd be so sick. Thank you. Yeah, man. Let the girls shine. Thank you next to those two motherfuckers out here having a soap opera on the timeline. Just the... I'm going to add Kim Kardashian because late last night she also added Drake. I don't know if you saw this, but she was like, don't threaten me and my family. I'm like, y'all are a mess. Mm -hmm. But imagine mm. we're just going to talk about Ariana Grande. Uh, her song is great. It's beautiful. It's a little melancholy. I can't... I have to admit, I keep hoping for like an upbeat banger from Ari. I keep like hoping, cause this is like- I, was I like, don't think Ari's kind of had an upbeat banger kind of year. I will say this, it is a little melancholy. It's also sexy. That's true. It's a very sexy song. A little, little bump of grind, a little bump of grind. Well, to that point, the hood oracle put it, the hood oracle put it this way. Sorry, Isaac was making a very funny <laughs> face and I got distracted. Does Ariana want us riding dick to this song or depressed to this song? To which I say, why not both? It's 2018, have the range. Multitask. Speaking of songs we love, Saeed, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> did I do it? You did it, so, <laughs> so cute. Listen, truly, the only thing I love more than the Golden Girls is the Golden Girls theme song. It's true. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done this. We're so excited. Friends, it is time for a Follow Friday. Look at that graphic. I love go that graphic. graphic. Go. go. Do go it. Graphic. Do it. Go Do graphic. It. Go. This go week's graphic. Follow Friday is finally airing, and here's why. The, the, no, 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 yeah. no. the wig. Oh, I love, I love this so much. I've been playing it in the production meeting like a lot all week long. We're so excited. Aaron Scott joins us now. Hi, Aaron. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, gosh. First of all, thank you for the joy you've brought to so many people with this video. And second, uh, how did this start? To be honest, this started with my mother. Um, she was the start of it all. I, she was a fan. She would be one night in specific. I was late coming in the house and I just knew like I was about to get. And <laughs> I, snuck in, I tried to sneak in the door, but she was laughing so hard. She didn't I didn't even need to sneak in the door. She was laughing so hard. And I was like, mm hmm. But she was a fan. I sat down and actually watched the show with her, and then I was laughing. So ever since then, I've just been, I've been hooked, so. You've been hooked, you've been a Golden Girl fan. Let me ask, which Golden Girl are you? I don't know, I don't, I don't know. I like a good, um, honest answer. I would, I would say Sophia. 
Yes. Mm. Okay, I get it. Mm. I get it. Um, I just, the video is so good for, for so many reasons. I mean, your voice is incredible. You're wonderfully talented. I saw the video being shared because of the King of R&B debate uh, earlier <laughs> this week. What's it like having a video and, you know, and this remix kind of go viral? What's the experience been like? It's been literally crazy. I I know people are like, oh, you you you're viral, so you you're fine with public and things like that. I am super shy. I this experience ever since it went out the first day, my friend James, he was like, you need to post a video, and I posted it, and I woke up the next morning, and it was just comments. I mean, a lot of rude comments, which I don't, I don't mind. They don't bother me, but a lot of positive comments, a lot of things that people are saying like, Oh my goodness, this lifts my day. Um, one specific lady told me, Oh, I'm dealing with death in the family and I really haven't left my room. My nephew came in and played your video and I cannot stop smiling and laughing. Mm. And it's just crazy. Like I work at target, but a lot of people come in and they're like, that's not you, is it? I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and my coworkers are like, yes, it is. He just doesn't have the wig on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I love it. They're calling you out. So I want to ask, are there other theme songs you're thinking of doing? Can we expect a whole album? Uh, what's, what's, what's next? I do not want to be known as a theme song guy. Fair. But <laughs> I, I, did, um, I did Golden Girls and I did Friends. YouTube didn't appreciate uh, the Friends ones, but I did the Friends, and I tried to do the other ones, but those two are the main ones that I thought needed beefed up. People want to hear, like, Family Matters and Full House, but they already have ad-libs to it, so I tried to go after the songs that didn't, you know, needed beefed up. That needed that seasoning, that salt and pepper yes. that Oprah encourages us to season our songs with. Well, we have a tweet here. I just, I'm so excited to read to you. It is a tweet from six-time Tony Award-winning singer Audra McDonald. She tweeted this just an hour ago. I can't tell you how many times I've watched this clip of you, Aaron, singing. She said it gives me such joy. Uh, wow. I know, what does it feel like to get that reaction from someone like her? Wow. Just wow. Wow. That's wow. That is amazing. Like, and it's not because of everybody's like, oh, your voice is beautiful. I just love how people are affected, uh, are affected by the video. I just love how people would say, oh, it makes me smile. That's the main thing. Why main reason why I didn't delete it because I was going to. But that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm going to have to say something back to her. <laughs> Absolutely should. Aaron, thank you for joining us. And of course, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. And I, I see Princess Bye. Leia out here. She's saying I, I share this all the time. Yeah. Like it is obviously a way that people get so much joy. So everyone, be sure to go follow Aaron on Twitter right now. But listen, we want to hear from you. Which Golden Girl do you identify with, and why? Let us know using the hashtag AM2. Everybody always thinks they're the slutty one. <laughs> That's true, right? I, I'm definitely Sophia, though. I mean, oh, okay. No me, no All me. Right. But you were calling me somebody else today. Rose. There it is. Isaac is definitely Rose. All right. Uh, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News investigative reporter Azeen Goreshi. This Peter Althaus story is so impressive for A, 
combing through 2,400 police reports from cities claiming zero hate crimes to find all the hate crimes that went unreported, and B, for making it crystal clear just how much hate crimes are underreported in the United States. That story is the cities where the cops see no hate. And BuzzFeed News reporter Peter Aldhaus joins us now. Good morning, Peter. Morning, pleased to be with you. We're really happy to have you. Listen, Peter, you sifted through thousands of police incident reports from 10 large cities that reported zero hate crimes. What did you find? Yes. Well, uh, we found 15 incidents where experts agreed with us that the what happened arguably was a hate crime. I think more importantly, and these were all violent offenses, they were aggravated assaults, so an attempt to inflict injury or a threat with a deadly weapon. Um, I think they tell us something about how and why some police departments are actually failing to recognize hate crimes for what they are. In addition to pouring over the reports, and my goodness, so many documents, such a, a scale in terms of the work, you also spoke to victims. Um, what did they say to you? Can you give some examples of those? Yeah, well, the, the one that really uh, struck me was the one we led with in the story. So this is the case involving a 16-year-old gay high school student called Mark Caceres in Irving, Texas. Um, so he did the right thing. He intervened when a friend of his at school was being uh, harassed by uh, another student. But he got a lot of anti-gay abuse for that. And a couple of days later, on the way home from school, he was basically assaulted uh, by five uh, individuals um, uh, and really badly beaten and uh, lots of anti-gay abuse while it was happening. He ended up with a fractured uh, eye socket. He had to have reconstructive surgery, a couple of broken teeth, had panic attacks, not surprisingly, after that. Um, but... Here's the thing, like the cops wrote all of that down, yet they didn't record it as a hate crime and pass that on to the FBI, which I think is really striking. Which is really striking, but let's talk about that for a moment, because the police uh, departments are following guidelines put forth by the FBI. What did you find? What's some of the issues there? Well, hate crimes, are it, they are difficult because we're talking about motivation, right? Uh, and motivation is is not easy to to determine. The FBI has some guidelines, and it tells you the sort of things if you're a cop that you should be looking for. The trouble is, it's it's open to interpretation. Um, like one of the things it says is obviously stuff like racist or anti-gay abuse. You you want to pay attention to it, but it also says that that's not the only thing. And even if it's there, it isn't necessarily a hate crime. Well, I, what my reporting suggests is that in some police departments, cops are interpreting that pretty narrowly and actually seem to sort of fixate on the, oh, well, it, just because there's abuse doesn't mean it's a hate crime. Well, yeah, but here's all the other stuff you're supposed to be looking for as well. And I think just it's... It's narrow interpretation, I think, when it's not been made a priority. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Peter, your reporting here, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a black gay man in America, so of course it, it resonated with me, but it also reminded me that just in November, uh, a woman um, in New York City on the subway, um, a, a man saw her, kissed another woman, he called her a dyke, and he hit her so hard, uh, he broke her spine. Um, as far as I know, he is not wow. captured yet. So the, these kinds of this kind of reporting, it just, it, it chills me. And so my question to you is, is there anything based on your reporting you think victims can do when they are in these situations to, to push police departments to take them seriously as hate crimes? That's a very good question. I mean, one thing is, um, I think, you know, making your case strongly, pointing that they should be following these FBI guidelines, being aware of what they are. But also remember, there are, there are other groups who can support you. It's not just the cops. There are local human relations commissions who can help and provide victims to support. Now, this, you know, this is kind of definitely on the cops, but, but, but I think my message would be you are not alone here. There are people who can help. And and we found, you know, in at least one police department, so Irving Police Department, in that case I mentioned, did actually admit that it had made a mistake. Two years after the event, okay, but they did admit they've made a mistake. So I think continued scrutiny continued pressure and continued discussion of this very serious problem ultimately, I hope, can make a difference. I hope so, too. Well, uh, thank you so much for your work and for joining us, Peter. Thank you. All right, here's another tweet from BuzzFeed News. Uh, Log on to Netflix today and you will see a lot of stuff you've never heard of because Netflix wants to change the way you chill. Change, change the way you chill? Are we? Change the way you... Are they giving out like condoms and prep? Were we? I'm just saying, you're never too old to learn new tricks. <laughs> BuzzFeed News reporter Nicole Wynn wrote that story, not the implications we just made, and joins us now from San Francisco to tell us what this all means. Nicole, good morning. Hi, good morning. So listen, how exactly is Netflix trying to change the way we chill? Yeah, so Netflix essentially wants to be your primary source of entertainment. When, um, you know, you decide you want to read a book or play a video game or watch YouTube, they want you to say, like, you need to log on to Netflix and binge watch their latest show. Um, And the way that they're doing that is is with this team that I wrote about, the product team. And this product team controls uh, the algorithms that show up on your homepage. They design the artwork that's used to lure you in to try to get you to click on these thumbnails. Um, they shape the data that Netflix is use, that Netflix uses to decide which TV shows and movies that it's going to make or that it needs to make. And they invented features like skip intro and autoplay and download offline that allow you to to really like sit and binge watch for hours and hours on end. Um, and they were actually in the room when Netflix decided to re- release all episodes of House of Cards at once, uh, setting a precedent for all future original series. Wow, this is so interesting. Um, well, there are a lot of new features. I've seen people recently tweeting about the like, do you want to rewatch the scene pop up? Can you give some examples of new features we might see? Sure. So um, there are a lot of stuff. There, there's a lot of stuff in the app um, that's trying to make content a lot more snackable. And what that means is um, they've copied Instagram stories like everyone else to be able to serve you these um, vertical 
movie trailers. Um, and the thinking behind that is you don't always have time to sit down and watch a 30 to 45 minute episode. And so Netflix wants to be able to have you get your fix everywhere. So they're, uh, you know, giving you notifications when a trailer for content that its algorithms um, have identified that you'll like comes out. And, and so you can just like watch the trailer for a minute or watch these previews for a minute. And maybe when you go home later, you'll, you'll watch that series. I got to say this, man. Uh, I don't know how I feel about all the new features, but skip intro. That, Dude. shout out to whoever. I hope they got a raise. That was a really good one. Dude. Listen, there is so much focus on Netflix new content mm -hmm. as a content creation. So Nicole, I just wanted to ask you before we let you go, like what did you learn from sitting down with the data team? How big is the data team at Netflix? How much are they concerned with this versus the actual movies and shows that they're making? The team that I talked to is about 400 people. And um, while a lot of people talk about whether or not Netflix is winning Oscars, which they are, or winning Emmys, which they are, there's a lot riding on this product team. If they don't show people content that they'll like and um, very, very quickly, they only have 90 seconds before people close Netflix and move on, um, those subscribers will cancel their subscriptions. And Netflix has made a huge bet in the space. They're planning on spending $18.6 billion on new content. And that means that their cash flow is in the red. And so they really rely on the growth of those subscriptions to make that gamble worth it. Interesting. Well, it's working because they sent me a notification that there's a new Sabrina. So I'm going to watch it tonight. Uh, Nicole, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks. All right, before we go real quick, I want to take a little umbrage. Apparently, Rose is not the best, most flattering character to be compared to. I saw you out here calling me a Rose. Y'all telling me I should be mad. All right, don't go away. Later in the show, I'm sitting down with actor Karen Gillan. She's going to be here. We're so excited. But Nebula. up next, it's Fire Tweets. Rose. Rose is great. Hello, my queens. We were talking about those Netflix intros and the skip intro button. Uh, Princess Leia had this to say, you know the intro art and music slaps when you have the skip button and you don't. That's true. That's so true. Do you have a you show like, that you like do that for? Uh, 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 I, you know, the Daredevil one always kind of like, I was like always kind of into. It's very pretty. I, I like that too. The, the, um, that, the, the Haunting of House Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. really, that one always creeped me yeah. out and I really like it. Too scared to hit the button. All right, let's get into these fire <laughs> tweets. This first one comes from Kate King. Listen, if you're not someone the church would have killed 400 years ago, are you even living? Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Be the Joan of Arc. <laughs> Be the Joan of Arc. Be the Joan of Arc you want to see in the world. Absolutely. I love it. Shake the church. I mean, up. I feel like you could start a little lower than that. You don't have to like lead a rebellion. Uh -huh. Just, you know. Set me ablaze. Eat some meat on a Friday or something. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Xavier tweeted, if you ride in the car with me at night, you are loyal. Because to be honest, I really cannot see in the dark. I'd just be winging it. Ooh, now this tweet is one, it grows. <laughs> let me tell you, I'm a great driver. Always have I was been. about to say, you drove a lot of the road trip. Always will be. As I've gotten older, glasses. Can you not see that it one? It just gets harder, that's all I'm saying. I drove at night a lot. And you know there's like reflectors on the, the road, that's why they're there. Right, this it. next tweet is from Chevy, which <laughs> didn't sponsor this segment. <laughs> 
My first hour of watching baking shows on Netflix. These people are so talented. How do they pick a winner? My 23rd hour. I do not care how good her fondant work is. If Kathy does not add more buttercream to that mixture, her consistency is going to be all off and her cake pops will be shit. <laughs> That's true. Shout out to Nailed It. Fondant is like impossible. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but it is like impossible. Always avoid it. <laughs> like you're trying to. <laughs> Zach, you tweeted, by age 21, you should have 68 cents in your bank account, a job that pays for your bills, and nothing else. The value pack of ramen, a gas gauge that never gets above half a tank, a favorite cup, and a betta fish, because that is the most commitment and responsibility you can handle. Ooh, Zach. I mean, that was me at 23. I was about to say, Zach, are you a baby boomer? Because I'm like, that, that reads like a 27. I was going to say, maybe 33. These, oh, I'm 33. Uh, yeah. How's that betta fish coming? Let's get you this tweet of the day. <laughs> I got no goddamn betta fish. <laughs> this comes from Amanda. <laughs> Is he flirting with me or does he just work at Trader Joe's? <laughs> <laughs> you have a Trader Joe's uh, in your building. I do. Do you feel like you get flirted with a lot? It actually happened earlier this week. Where the guy who was just... like, who tells you what, like, which uh, checkout line to mm. go to, and I was sick. I wasn't feeling well, and he was like, "Oh, you can pick any line. You're feeling lucky." You feel... And I was like, "What?" You're like, "Feeling lucky." I'm gonna throw up on you. That is spicy language. Oh. I also want to bring up one last one here from Melissa Jordan. That reference went over Isaac's heads. That's so Rose. Mm. I don't know who Rose is, but I'm starting to really take offense at this. Coming up, I sit down with Karen Gillen. But up next, we are going live from the district. Saint Olaf. Welcome back. We are going live from the district. Children, let's start with this tweet from HuffPost. Trump's top choices for chief of staff turned him down, so now he's looking at son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Good old Jared. Oh, they're just really calling everyone. Good old Jared. Did you get a call, they ask you? Shockingly, no. The White House did not call me. Oh, you're not going to be about? the new chief? Weirdly, I am also not going to be so weird. the new chief of staff. So weird. Well, uh, of course, all of this news has prompted quite a response from Twitter and America. Uh, first, here's a reaction from BuzzFeed News' own Tarini Party. Hearing from multiple sources close to the White House that while the chief of staff situation remains very fluid, oh, what an eloquent way to say that, Kushner is not, to their knowledge, under consideration. And here's from Politico's Nancy Cook. We are now in the every faction in and around the White House is heavily pushing its own person as part of the chief of staff sweepstakes. Chief of staff sweepstakes? Yeah. It's a game. Who's going to win? Game theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, joining us now to talk about this story is BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Uh, Tarini, let's just get into it. What should we make of this Jared Kushner news? Right. So as I tweeted, from what I've heard, uh, you know, to everyone's knowledge so far, Jared Kushner is not under any serious consideration. But the thing to keep in mind here is that only the president really knows who he's going to end up picking. And he seems to change his decision a lot. So the names that we're hearing now, the names that are being floated, might not be, you know, uh, uh, the person who ends up getting chief of staff might not be among those names that are currently being floated. So, you know, as I put it, things are fluid. And we'll probably continue to be until the president finally makes his decision and makes this announcement. Because we do have a president that tends to shoot from the hip. I do like that. It's very elegant. Fluid. Things are very fluid. That's <laughs> it. Doesn't this kind of happen every time there's an opening in the, the staff at the White House? I call them weekdays. <laughs> 
It, it really does. And so my approach to this is, you know, to talk to people, to know what's going on. But eventually, like I said, things could be so different in a few weeks that, you know, I'm happy, honestly, to sit tight, talk to people, and see what happens. Um, because, you know, some of this reporting could be totally wrong. Yeah. A question I had for you, and this is both about chief of staff, but also more broad. The last big story about Jared Kushner before chief of staff was, of course, news about his very close relationship with MBS of Saudi Arabia, even and more so after Jamal Khashoggi's death. So, you know, does that have anything to do? Is that hanging on him or maybe even a, a check in his corner when it comes to chief of staff? It is hanging on him, but you know, if you if you remember everything that the president has said on the situation, he is very much in line with what Jared Kushner has done. Um, he also thinks of Saudi Arabia as a as a quote great ally, as he has uh, repeatedly called them. So you know, they're on the same page. So it would hang on his head in terms of what outsiders would view, how they would view Jared Kushner in that role. Um, Democrats have already been raising a lot of questions about Jared Kushner and the president and um, Trump organizations ties, potential ties to um, Saudi Arabia. So it would just raise more questions. The other thing I want to point out is that um, uh, Kushner likes to be the sort of shadowy figure at the White House who, uh, you know, comes, does, uh, has this very expansive portfolio, but with very little transparency and accountability for what he's doing. So with someone with that kind of, um, you know, who has had those questions raised about him in terms of, you know, something related to Saudi Arabia, being in a very prominent role uh, and, and someone who could be held accountable does not seem to be, uh, does not seem to jive with, with what we know about Kushner. He might want to stay in the shadows. Well, here's a tweet from Rebecca Ballhouse. <laughs> Federal prosecutors are investigating whether Trump's inaugural committee misspent some of the 107 million it raised and whether some of its top donors gave money in exchange for access. Tarini, how big is this investigation? <laughs> Right. So this could be potentially pretty big. Um, we know that they're, uh, as you mentioned, investigating the inaugural committee. There have been questions about how this committee spent money for months. There's been a lot of uh, reporting on it, um, including, uh, you know, a few months ago, we learned uh, that one of um, uh, Melania Trump's close friends, her, her farms earned more than 20 million from this inaugural committee. So there have been questions that have been raised for a while. And now we're hearing that there could be um, foreign officials, you know, uh, whether it's businessmen or politically connected, powerful people in the Middle East who used um, straw donations to uh, contribute to the inaugural committee, uh, potentially even a super PAC that was connected to Trump. So a lot of questions about sketchy donations coming from potentially foreign nationals, which would be illegal in this uh, campaign finance system that we live in. Mm -hmm. Jereni, actually just last night, I actually dreamed I got a push notification about Mueller launching a new investigation into Jared Kushner because it's just like, we're getting so many big <laughs> new scoops and push notifications about investigation, investigation, new details, Cohen, blah, blah, you know, everything. It's like out here, it just seems crazy. As a White House correspondent though, what's the atmosphere at the White House? Do they seem to be under siege? 
It is. I mean, it is very crazy. Uh, as you said, it, you know, there, it's one thing after another, and the White House has to keep responding to it, keep trying to distance the president um, from these investigations. But, uh, you know, from these filings that we've been seeing more recently, the investigations seem to be getting closer and closer to uh, the president. You know, the Cohen uh, filings in particular, in which, um, you know, and, and with Cohen actually admitting that um, he was directed to make those, those payments to uh, those women as part of the hush money um, approach that they took before the election, that the president directed those. Um, and so as it's getting closer to the president, there is some nervousness at the White House. Um, but, you know, the president, of course, we saw him in an interview yesterday basically shouting out the tweets that he'd been uh, tweeting all morning, defending himself. Um, and so we'll see more of that as he you know, gets feels like he's being pushed into a corner by um, special counsel Mueller. Mm. To that point, uh, here's a tweet from ABC News. Quote, I'm angry at myself because I knew what I was doing. Gosh, Michael Cohen looks sad in that screenshot. Excuse me. I knew what I was doing was wrong, <laughs> Michael Cohen tells George Stephanopoulos. I should not be the only one taking responsibility for Donald Trump's actions. Oh, someone needs to tell him about, um, like, contour makeup. Anyway, Tarini, any other highlights from that Cohen interview? Uh, I did not analyze his look and his makeup as, as much as you did, but in terms of what he said, um, I thought one thing that really struck um, stuck out to me was he said, I will not be the villain of this story, and Michael Cohen wants to be the hero of this story. He said he wants to bring the country together with what he's saying, um, and he pointed out that the, the president keeps um, you know, saying that Michael Cohen is weak, Michael Cohen's a liar, uh, but really the president, what the president has said in you know, the last two years, um, there's a lot of evidence that the president is actually the one who doesn't tell the truth. There's been, um, you know, we've seen that over and over again. And what Michael Cohen has said, um, that what I've told special counsel has been corroborated. So, um, you know, it's up to the people to sort of figure out who they want to believe. Um, someone who is, you know, has been corroborated by the special counsel or the, or the president. So um, he's kind of posing that and, again, trying to be the hero of this uh, story. Of this story. Well, Tarini, thank you so much for joining us this Friday morning. Thanks so much, guys. All right, listen, it's happening up next. I'm sitting down with Karen Gillen. I'm so excited. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm joined by Karen Gillan. She was Amy Pond in Doctor Who, Nebula, Nebula in The Avengers, and her new film is The Party's Just Beginning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks we're for having me. We're really excited to have you. Um, this movie, you not only star in it, but you wrote and directed it. I did, yes. That seems like extra work to me. It was a lot of extra work and severe multitasking. <laughs> Incredible multitasking. <laughs> what, what made you want to take that, that leap? Um, I think because I'd written the story, which I wrote about six years ago, it was something I felt very passionately about. I wanted to be the person to tell the story, yet I couldn't part with the role. And so therefore, I just turned into like a greedy only child and was like, I'm going to do everything. <laughs> you were like, I want to start. Was that always the vision when you wrote it six years ago? Yeah, I think I basically wrote a role for myself that I really wanted to play, a bit of a dream role. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just wanted to... Yeah, be in control of, of the feel of the movie too. Yeah, did, did, was there anything weird, anything unexpected that came out of directing yourself? Were you really <laughs> hard on yourself? Were you like, oh no, you're doing a great job? Um, I was, it was interesting. I mean, I was sort of like, 
didn't have anyone to turn to for reassurance, uh, whether, you know, my acting was in, in the ballpark of what it should have been or not. So I just sort of had to trust myself and give myself options. And then I would have these like internal conversations where I'd be like, oh, you could try this. Oh, you are good at this. And it just <laughs> turned into, <laughs> I sound like a real narcissist uh, when I talk about this film, I've decided. <laughs> no, but I think it's also a very important film and I'm really happy that you put it out there. It deals oh, with a lot of traumatic things that I think a lot of people have dealt with, uh, mm. a, a, a friend and losing a friend to suicide. Yeah. What made you want to write that story six years ago? What made you want to tackle that topic? Well, we have a really high suicide rate in the Highlands of Scotland, um, and it's a, an issue. And I wanted to at least start a conversation about it. Um, and it's especially among young men. And so I just feel like I want to encourage men out there to be able to speak about their feelings more free, uh, as freely as, as generally women can. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I do. I think that's an incredibly important message. Mm -hmm. um, your character deals with the loss of her friend through sex, through alcohol. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's no, Scottish folks know how to party. I bet, I bet like, <laughs> yes. I come from a small rural town. I had, a, I, I watched Where are you from? I'm from Athol, Massachusetts. I don't know where it's, that is. It's actually a Scottish name, though. Is it? Athol. I think oh, that, Athol. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Blair Athol. Yeah. yeah, so it's like that, it's like where you're from, but in Massachusetts. Okay. So I saw a lot of familiarities <laughs> in the film. That said, you know, a lot of junk food, a lot of eating, a lot of unhealthy behavior. A lot of chips, fries. A, a, lot, of, a lot of french fries, as you yes. call them, chips. Do you have healthy ways of dealing with stress and depression yourself as a person? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think my default mode when I'm feeling scared of something or stressed is to, like, attack is the wrong word, <laughs> but more like face it head on and, and deal with the issue um, and to sort of be clear headed about it. To really, to, so you're not one of those people that's like, I can't look directly at that. You tr really try no, to No, I'm the person that's like, I don't want to look directly at it, but now I have to. That's wonderful, I love that. That said, nobody's perfect. So we do no. all also just eat a lot of chips sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Do you have a favorite junk food, something to deal with? I've discovered this Shake Shack that you have in America. Oh my God. Oh, that thing melts in your mouth. <laughs> There's one right down the street. Oh, Should I not be tell telling me that? you that? No. I'm so sorry. It's the morning. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, but here's the thing, you know, when you're dealing with something, sometimes a morning burger is what you need. <laughs> morning burger. And nothing wrong with a morning burger. You're right. Uh, I'll do it. Also speaking of trauma, Nebula. All right, your character a traumatized in, girl. in the Avengers is going through so much. Yeah, it's tough when your dad is Thanos. <laughs> it is tough when your dad is Thanos. Can you tell us anything about the next movie? I'm guessing probably not. So if not, we have a question that we want to ask you that you're going to have to answer. Ah, okay. Scary. Facing it head on. Attacking. Fa facing it head on. Attacking. <laughs> Why is it? <laughs> Nothing else. All right. Were you cool in high school and why? No. No, I wasn't cool at all. You weren't cool. I mean, look why at not? me. Why not? I'm sorry, you look very, I'm sorry, you held that up. I'm sorry, that did not help your argument. You look it's, very cool. I am cool. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm very gangly. I'm a five foot 11 ginger girl. <laughs> when Britney Spears was the ideal woman at the time. I mean, come on. So what, what, what was it? Was it being taller? Like what was it in high school that made you feel um, uncool? It was probably just, I was like quite a shy teenager. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't rock the tallness. I, you know, I didn't commit to it. I was like, I was like shrinking myself and kind of curling up uh -huh. and it's just not a great energy to put out there. <laughs> yeah, no, always trying to be, to be shorter. That's really, that's something yes, that I feel like I a lot of tall women deal with. Yes. Um, you've also been in so many iconic roles. 
You're part of so many iconic franchises. Thanks. What do you think you get recognized for most, and which fans do you like the most? Oh, this is Sophie's choice. Um, <laughs> I what do I get recognized most for? Uh, maybe um, Jumanji, the film I was in. Really. Um, just because like it's my actual face in that and Nebula is a bald blue alien so people aren't like oh it's Nebula <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to be like a super fan to sort of know you know yeah. um, or maybe Doctor Who um, is something that's definitely still with me in many ways and a lot of people love you for that role of Amy uh, Pond yeah. let me ask I know you can't tell me anything, but if Amy Pond was to come back, work with Jodie Whittaker's character, what, what's your dream episode? What would you love to see? Just put it out uh, in the universe. Maybe like um, she is trapped in a, a Shake Shack <laughs> and I have to rescue her. <laughs> and the only way out is to eat your way out. <laughs> and that's it. And you actually have, you'll, you'll go method for that, right? You will actually do every single I'm program. a serious actor. Yes. Absolutely correct. <laughs> respectable. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, speaking of respectable, Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. We love that movie here at AM to DM. Yes. Here's why we want, this is one of our politics reporters. We just want to play this clip real quick. My hottest take of all in the Oscars, Jumanji should have been nominated for Best Picture as one of the 10 best movies of last year. Okay, so you can see, Saeed, that's my co-host, our reaction to Paul's take there. We couldn't believe it because we hadn't given the film a chance yet. Oh, you hadn't seen it yet. We then went home and watched it, and Paul was incredibly correct. That is a fantastic film. Why do you think it got snubbed at the Oscars? I, it baffles me. I don't know how we've not all been nominated for Oscars. <laughs> it's exactly the type of movie that would be nominated for Absolutely. Oscars. I'm a winner. Was I there, mean, is there a favorite memory of it? Is there something that comes from that film? Especially as your most recognized role, you feel? Um, I think seeing Jack Black play a hot teenage girl so accurately was something that I'll never forget. And he actually should win an Oscar for that. <laughs> You're like, actually, that was a great To be role. fair, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for joining us. The Party's Just Beginning is a fantastic film, and you should check it out. It's in theaters and available on demand now. Up next, you're going to see us drink a lot of bourbon on our road trip. Up top, thank you so much. Look at you, like, I'm not We're going tweeting. Ha-ha! <laughs> it's fine. Let's take a selfie. I'm getting a burger. Let's go. Hello, oh, sir, can I help you? I want to do single. The bag is secure, darling. Are we there yet? Isaac, are we there yet? I'm there yet. Saeed, this is not driving Miss Ferocity. Am to Appa, brought to you by Wendy's for performing. All right, well, we have made it to our Kentucky detour on the way to Morgantown, West Virginia. Look at that. Welcome to Welcome Lexington. Welcome to Lexington. Well, hello. It feels very classy. Look at these estates. Yeah, Elegance. How are you going to make the most of Lexington? Well, when I think of Lexington, I certainly think of horses. It'll be a beautiful place to check out horses, and I want to check out bourbon. 
My name is Andrew Ellis. I work here at Barrel House Distilling Company in the Old Distillers District in historic Lexington, Kentucky. We've been around since 2008, distilling vodka, moonshine, rum, and bourbon. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening right behind us here? This is our still. It's a 150-gallon pot still. So what we're doing is the first of two distillations to turn this into bourbon. The evaporated distillate goes up through this tube and into the coil and it slowly works its way to the bottom of the tank. What we've got over here, it's American white oak. The part of the, the charring process is that you also toast the inside of the barrel before you char it. And so those sweet caramel vanilla flavors that you get, that is really where that comes from is the, the toasting and the caramelizing of the sugars inside of the barrels. Why do you like bourbon so much? It's my home state. I'm really proud to be from Kentucky. And so I really enjoy the good quality bourbon that we make here. I mean, a lot of the history of the state of Kentucky is also related to the history of bourbon. Well, let's help the state of Kentucky and drink some bourbons. Drink, <laughs> drink. I can drink all of these like all yep. day. Woo, there's the fire though. Woo. We got it. We call that the Kentucky hug. <laughs> as it goes down. Nice. Now this was from our sixth batch. This is a $75 bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Six <laughs> bottles in. Cheers. <laughs> That is kick you in the pants flavor. Do you know what that tastes like? Tell me. Divorcing my second husband. <laughs> <laughs> Without a prenup. <laughs> All right. What's in the face? Freddy. Wait, are you also not in portrait mode? I don't like portrait mode. I'm Every single photo you love that I take of you is portrait mode. You see this abuse I deal with? Here goes the choo -choo -choo. The sun is out, it is like 88 degrees. Shout out to Morgantown, it is game day here in West Virginia. Gonna fill up on a burger real quick and then we're gonna go talk to Eric Jordan who does a lot of arts and music work here in West Virginia. It's just a little chilly. <laughs> is coming out though. We're getting, getting the weather ready for them Texas boys coming in here today. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've been doing some really cool stuff here. Uh, yep, um, started a label with my brother and we started the first West Virginia hip hop label back in 99 and been releasing music ever since. We wanted to focus on self-esteem because that's something we saw in West Virginia that wasn't really happening a lot with, with the youth. But the kids loved it and they embraced us and it was a movement. And I learned a lot about the tradition of black Afro-Latin poets. Uh, is that connected at all, anything here? Yes, my father's with the afro Poets. Okay. And um, he um, connected with black arts movement in the 70s in Cleveland. Passed away in 2014, but we're carrying him on with the arts camp. My father's one of the most critically acclaimed black poet playwrights in West Virginia. Wow. And that's Norman Jordan. That's yeah. Norman Jordan. Norman Jordan. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. talking with us. Hey. And stay warm today. That was a lot of road. <laughs> That was a lot of travel. Very pretty drive, I'll say that. A lot of hills. For me, making the most of this part of the trip, it's the beauty. The beauty of the horses, the beauty of the landscape, the beauty of the bourbon. I knew you were gonna say that. Absolutely. Yeah, that. It was a good time. All right, and we're heading to Pittsburgh. Yes. <laughs> All right, it's time for Dear Ferocity, where I give you advice off the top of my head on some of life's biggest challenges. Uh, this isn't really scripted or rehearsed, it's just 
the kind of advice we need. We'll see how I do. Okay, so today we are going to focus on being single during the holidays. Let's go. Question one, how do I deal with social media getting in my head when I'm on Instagram this time of year? It just seems like everyone and their mama is in a new relationship or engaged. That's true. Um, I'm so happy for them, but, but I do get a little down about it the more I scroll. I don't didn't think this would bother me, but it does help. That's real, that's fine. You know, this is like kind of engagement season and there's a lot of, you know. Um, listen, life is short. You are not obligated to do anything for social media and let's say you host a Twitter show. So, you know, you can uh, delete the delete the Instagram app, you know, and come back to it in January. I think it's important to delete an app instead of just saying, okay, I'm not gonna look at it because for me, if an app's on my phone, I will kind of like click on it without realizing, but step away, that's totally fine. You are allowed to feel how you feel. You don't have to endure the holiday season if something, you know, makes you frustrated, okay? Uh, next one. My siblings are both in relationships, but I didn't think anything about it until, oh, my parents started making shady remarks like, well, we can't have Christmas dinner at your house since it's so small, or how about you sleep in the basement and they'll sleep in the guest room since it's a bigger bed. That's rude. Um, I know it's not meant to, with ill intent, but that really annoyed me. Am I just being sensitive? Well, I'm annoyed on your behalf. That's rude. Um, yeah, I think, you know, take people aside. You know, I think these are a good one-on-one -on -one moment. Maybe wait a little bit later and say, hey, can, I, can we talk in the kitchen for a second? You know, can we, I want to revisit something that happened earlier and just say, I know you're joking. I know it's wrapped in love, but that did kind of hurt my feelings, you know? And like, I'm, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm happy for my siblings. But if we could kind of lay off this, the single jokes, I, I would appreciate that. And I would like to trust that your family love you enough that all they need is to be told that once and they will appreciate it. That's my holiday hope for you, okay? One more, um, I was in a relationship for five years and broke it off a few months ago and I've always been slightly jealous of my friend who is single and travels to the most exotic places during the holidays. I have always wanted to do that too and now that I am single, I am free to do whatever. Are there cities that you would recommend that will not shove relationship guilt down my throat. Okay, well, don't go to Paris. <laughs> New York isn't so great during the holidays either. There's a lot of that. Um, you know, New Orleans is fun. Uh, I went there for the holidays last year. Uh, I'm going to Mexico City this year. Um, my suggestion is to, you know, pick a city uh, where you envision yourself being happy. Some people, that's like, you need to be in a warm place, right? Like some people, like if I'm in Toronto during the holidays, I'll be sad, you know? So think about that. And I say it's good to pick a city that is engaging. Like if you love art, like that's why I'm excited to go to Mexico City. Art, color, history, culture, food, you know, where there's a lot for you you to engage individually, um, I think that, that, that makes for a good trip um, as a person by yourself. Um, you know, and yeah, certainly avoid cities that, you know, build themselves as the city of love and romance. Um, and, you know, and plan ahead. When you travel by yourself, this is one thing to remember. When you travel by yourself, you're gonna have to think about how you want to do dinner. Because if you're eating out a lot, dinner usually then means being in a restaurant at a table by yourself, surrounded by other people who are often in pairs or with their family. So maybe come up with a different uh, dinner arrangement and enjoy your lunches out. That's a little tip I have for traveling solo, okay? 
Have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you all for your questions. You can always tweet me questions and ideas for future Dear Ferocities using the Dear Ferocity hashtag. You can DM me, they are open. I'll answer more of your questions when Isaac and I come back um, after January. But for now, Isaac and I are gonna read more of your tweets after the break. All right, bye. over a lot yesterday after the holiday party? Not me, baby. I live in the light. Fine. Well, okay. We were talking about the Golden Girls earlier. I thought that we were just synchronized dancing. Um, we asked you which Golden Girl you identify with. Isaac has been stressed out about it for an hour. Tanya said this. I'm Dorothy. As I, uh, as I hate, oh, A, I hate everyone, but simultaneously B, would be betrayed as hell if my friends weren't with me all the time. And C, have actually threatened to put my mother in Shady Pine. <laughs> Also, I resent that I'm Dorothy, which is the most Dorothy trait of all. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's God. good. I'm trying to think of someone. I think it's Rufus Wainwright has a story. Mm. He find, he got to meet B. Arthur in person. Mm. And he was like, oh, my, this is a story told on podcast. Thank you so much. You know, I loved Golden Girls. Uh, Dorothy was like my grandmother. I just, I felt like she was my grandmother. And B. Arthur says, I'm not your fucking grandmother. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right. I like that. Know her. She's got the attitude. Uh, listen, a queer mermaid, you said this. Much like Saeed, mm. I am Sophia. Picture it. I just want to put uh, put it out there. No one's picking Rose, motherfucker. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Out here calling me a Rose. I'm the slutty one. <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. The holidays are time for giving. So here at AM to DM, we want to help some students, some children get art supplies for their growing portfolios. But we do want your help. All right, Miss Watson at Concourse Village Elementary in the Bronx wants her students to explore art as a career. So they will be expanding into photography. I love this so much. The students need a photo printer. Mm. And their goal is to raise $597, but they still need $443 to complete it. Okay, that's not that much money we if this. we all get together. If you want to donate or learn more about Miss Watson and her students, we're tweeting it out right now. Now, yeah, okay, so join we're us. tweeting it right now. Join us. Let's get them this photo printer. Yes. All right, well, listen, thank you for doing that. And thank you to our guests, Aaron Scott, Peter Aldhouse, Nicole Wynn, Torini Party, and Karen Gillen. God, what a delight. with her. Uh, feathers, you better do it, Karen. <laughs> All right, next week we have Carla Hall, Comico Glenn, uh, Andy Circus, and Natalie Portman. Exciting. It is exciting. Woo! Yeah. Woo, call them. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I got distracted. All right, we will be back here on Monday <laughs> at 2 a.m. It's obviously Friday. Friday. I am so excited to have my weekend. You have a great weekend too. You too. Oh, thanks, buddy. You still Appreciate that. All right.